was a place I'd give the world to see Where the music softly playing And the rhythms gently swaying Underneath the stars in a million bars Guitars are softly saying Mexico yeah, we're off to Mexico now, not to uh, Campeche, but to Chiapas, uh, to uh, link up with our good friend uh, John Bonfilio. Uh, John, tell me about Chiapas. What, what are you doing there? Chiapas, the mountains. Yes. Yeah, just a short little trip away for for a couple of days. Uh, yeah, hoping not to get detained like by last like last time. So so far so good. <laughs> I'm currently yeah. I currently have freedom of movement. Excellent, excellent. Can I first apologise for not, uh, this is my last show for a, a few weeks, uh, going over to uh, the United States. Um, was very much hoping to uh, to meet up with you in um, Tijuana, over, uh, over the border from uh, San Diego in uh, Mexico. Uh, but I found it very, very difficult to get insured. I have a, a pre-existing uh, medical condition. Anybody who's been listening to me for five five years or so uh, knows I spent a few weeks in the life and death ward at um, Leeds' St. James's Hospital uh, a few years back. And sadly, um, when you, you declare these things to the insurance people, it's hard enough to get insured for one country, uh, let alone for, uh, for two countries. So uh, sadly... We've been talking all about Tijuana. I'm not going to be able to make it. But I thought we'd agreed that we were going to. We our plan B was going to be to interact how most people interact at the border fence between Tijuana and San Diego. <laughs> so I will. I will still be there. On, yes. On the 23rd of November, uh, waving right. and reaching out through the wall, and presumably your insurance doesn't say anything about just coming, you know, close to the border on the other side. We can just hold hands through the fence. <laughs> Well, let's see if we can do. If we can raise <laughs> yes. that. But it's, it's it's there's no, there's nothing, there's no legal impediment for that to happen. You, no. If you slip him a few quid, he might get you in there, John. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, the way around. If it was up to me, I would have probably. I've, I was counselled against it by uh, my uh, wife and daughter, um, who both said, you know, don't, uh, don't do anything that's don't not listen to John. Yeah, don't listen to John, um, because we're not paying for your body to be flown back to the UK um, to be buried with full military <laughs> honours. Um, Me and Mark will come and get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <don't worry. laughs> it. Well, I've got these offers I can't, you know, I wouldn't I can't refuse. If anything, if anything had happened, I wouldn't have left you. I would have sat watching over your... Uh, over you until <laughs> until help arrived. Yeah, well, bless you for that. <laughs> Unfortunately, Confused.com won't accept any of these arguments, so uh, so I was stuck with the travel insurance I got. Anyway, that's by the by. Um, this was a sad story. We start with actually um, this uh, missing uh, British astronomer in uh, Chile, which some people have seen in the in the news headlines. What, what what's happened? Tell me exactly what the story is. Yeah, this is a strange one. This is a, an astronomer called Thomas Marsh, a 60-year-old British astronomer from the University of Warwick, who'd gone to uh, the La Silla Observatory in, um, in Coquimbo in Chile uh, in, the, in the southern regions of the Atacama Desert. Worth saying that um, this is not unusual behavior. The Atacama Desert famously is uh, incredibly uh, at a high altitude and also has some of the clearest skies on Earth. So it has some of the biggest 
observatories, astronomical observatories in the region. So this is pretty standard. But um, um, on and around mid-September, a, a couple of nights after he arrived, he went missing. And his body was found just a couple of days ago, about three miles away from uh, from the observatory and the accommodation. But also worth saying that, I mean, peculiar for a number of reasons. One is there's nothing there. There's basically this observatory, this accommodation, a restaurant, and nothing else anywhere nearby. He was with a student, um, and the student reported strange behavior the night before he went missing. And, his, and he had also sent a, an email which his wife sort of hired. What the email um, held particularly, but there was definitely some strange behavior on the part of uh, the astronomer the night that he went uh, missing, which has been sort of theorized and, and hypothesized in, in a variety of ways by online sleuths. But we don't we honestly at this stage don't know what happened, except for the fact that now his his body has been found and um, obviously tragic for the family. And now we wait mm. on the uh, the results of the autopsy. To see quite, you know, if there's, if that reveals, sheds any light on on the incident. Yeah, a bit of a mystery. Uh, the um, election in Brazil, which we've talked about uh, a little bit over the last couple of weeks. I mean, obviously, uh, Bolsonaro supporters very much in the um, in the style of Trump uh, and his supporters. Uh, were saying, you know, possibly there's been fraud at the elections, but there's been an investigation, hasn't there? And um, uh, they found that Lula's victory is uh, entirely legitimate, no sign of any fraud. Yeah, Bolsonaro had set up the military to investigate. I'm hoping that the military was his last great hope in this, um, because, of course, Bolsonaro himself is an ex-military captain um and uh, and he has pretty significant support amongst the military and the police and so on but they undertook a um uh, a survey and investigation into the entire electoral process and uh released a report uh, yesterday which says that, th- that there is uh, there's no evidence of fraud or inconsistency in the electronic boxes or in the entire 2022 electoral process so this is where i think the u.s model and the or the u.s incident elections and brazil really uh, go their separate ways because up until this point it had been echoing the brazilian election and bolsonaro's response had been completely echoing the u.s uh, system and calls you know on the validity of the election and so on uh, but now as though even bolsonaro's inner circle know that the game is up and it's time to move on to something else also worth saying that you know, sometimes um, you know latin american electoral systems processes and so on get a bit of a bad press but in a in a comparison, comparing what's taken place in the midterms, U.S. midterms to Brazil, I mean, the full results of the Brazil election were known two to three hours after the polls closed. And in the U.S., we are now a series of days on from uh, the election finished, and we're still uh, not completely the wiser mm. as to uh, what what's emerging from it. Yeah, those are the midterms, obviously. Um, Looking at the world of football, which obviously we're going to be looking at very closely um, on TalkSport over the next few weeks. Um, well, let's start with uh, with club football in Argentina. The uh, It was a red card bonanza, wasn't it, in the uh, Argent- Argentina Cup final? <laughs> ten players sent off. Yeah, ten players, but it wasn't as bad as a 2011 uh, record between Claypole and Victoriano Arenas, in which 36 red cards were issued uh, towards the end of the game and in the dressing rooms when it really was 
a full bonanza in uh, in capital letters. But this was pretty bad. This was um, the cup final between Racing and and Boca, who also emerged in first and second place in the league. Boca uh, winning, Racing uh, losing out in the last match. And uh, in the 95th minute, two players were sent off for an altercation. Uh, we were into extra time by this point, one all. Five minutes later, two yellows, a, a third player was sent off. And then in the 117th minute, Racing score, cue the full bonanza of which you speak, uh, Martin, in which seven <laughs> players were sent, were fully sent off, including a number of people, number of players who hadn't even stepped onto the pitch. One of them is suggested, suggesting that the, uh, that the referee had taken leaving Boca with only six players on the pitch so the referee had to had to call an end to it with three minutes remaining and uh, racing were were the final winners getting some kind of revenge for losing out on the final day of the season but one of those I mean if any, anybody wants to watch this on go back and watch it on YouTube it's one of those short clips where you just see another five seconds and you can't you can't believe what you're watching and then another five seconds and it just amplifies and gets worse and worse and worse Oh, right. We'll definitely look at that on YouTube. That sounds well worth watching. Um, Argentina, of course, have uh, qualified for the uh, for the World Cup. They'll be one of the uh, combatants in uh, Qatar. And uh, they, sh- they must have a decent chance, I would have thought. I think they really do. I mean, they're actually the World Cup squad has been announced today. Messi, captain in his fifth uh, World Cup. Uh, I mean, we all know the pedigree that, that Argentina have got. In some, 1978 winners, 86 winners, and so on. They got to the to the 2014 final. But if you go through the players in their squad, I mean, there is not a single player in there who is not an amazing player playing for uh, one of the world's great top 20, top 25 sides. And that's the entire squad. It's not even a starting 11. So you would think... But always the problem with Argentina is sometimes they they implode. But if they if they really get together behind Messi and and hit the ground running, then especially with the heat in Qatar, you would think they've got to be in with a pretty good chance this time round. Yeah. Well, I was watching Manchester United the other night, and uh, they brought on this uh, 18-year-old kid. And he was sensational. Um, a guy called uh, Garnacho, who I suspect isn't even well. If he is in the squad, he'd be a squad player rather than uh, rather than a starter. But he looked, you know, because we were looking at uh, Marcus Rashford, saying, "Ah, oh, well, he's this is a real return to form. Marcus Rashford can really do things for uh, for England." But when Garnacho came on, this uh, youngster. He eclipsed um, Rashford completely, and I don't know whether he's in the squad or not, but uh, if that's the sort of standard of uh, some of the Argentinian players who are you know, rising up through the ranks, uh, I think they must have a real chance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, he's actually not made into the squad. Garnacho is an interesting case in point because he was born in Spain to an Argentine mother, so he's been courted by both countries, but this year he played for the Argentine under-20 side, so it seems as though that's the way that he's that he's going but for yeah. sure countries like Argentina uh, have never lacked for talent that, that's not the reason that they haven't won uh, oodles more world cups it's been other things that have come in their way but in terms of natural footballing talent for sure Argentina is right up there yeah absolutely as always uh, John as always thanks ever so much and uh, we'll talk again in a, in a few weeks time when I'm back alright take care 
Okay, all the best. Uh, there we go. We got there in the end. Apologies for the odd uh, internet uh, glitch there uh, with uh, John Bonfilio. Um, now, next. Uh